0: me running is just so pure and so primitive and so simple you know you don't need somebody else to go with you you don't need a, a, a court you don't need a pool you can just you know grab your running shoes and some shorts and a water bottle and go out in nature and just run
1: welcome to the well you mental training podcast my name is brian and i'll be your host today today we have the privilege of having dr russ Reinbold to share his amazing athletic story Dr. Russ Reinbolt is an emergency room physician who also competes in ultra marathons. He earned his bachelor's in physiology from Michigan State University and master's in exercise physiology from the Ohio State University. He went on to earn his medical degree from University of Toledo Medical Center, and he has been an ER doctor in a major trauma center in San Diego for the past 18 years. As a father of two lovely girls, And husband to his lovely wife, Diane, for the past 14 years, he finds time to travel and compete in the world's toughest ultramarathon races, including the world's toughest foot race, Badwater Ultramarathon, as a four-time finisher. Hi Russ, welcome to the show. Hey Brian, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. I think you have an amazing story to share with people who, one, don't know about ultramarathons, and then two, just don't know about you. In your path and your experience so we're really excited to have you on well thank you cool so why don't we get started with how you got involved with ultra marathons and where it all started for you and maybe you could just give a little bit of background on your athletic history as well sure well first of all an ultramarathon is basically any
0: race longer than a marathon and I want to mention that because a lot of people don't know what an ultramarathon is and they have no clue so, um, you know, a marathon's 26 miles, and ultra is anything longer than that, which basically starts at 50 kilometers, which is 31 miles. So, you know, my first race was 50 miles, then, then you can do a 100-mile race, then, or, you know, 100K, then 100 miles, then 135, then 200, 240, 300, they go all the way up to like 1,000 miles, sometimes even longer. But most, a true ultra marathon is pretty much 100 miles. That's, that's kind of like, kind of the standard, I guess, at least in my mind. Okay. So I got into ultras uh, about ten years ago after having done triathlons for about twenty five years, pretty much pretty consistently, except through medical school. But I got into ultras because I basically went back to my roots. You know, I I started off as a runner in high school. My brother encouraged me to go out for the cross country team, and I did really well. I was a skinny pencil necked fifteen year old, and it's like, damn man, I'm pretty good at this. So I just kept going, and I and when you're good at something, you like it. And when you like it, you become better at it. So, um, so after triathlons, I just kind of basically went back to my roots and just you know, went back to the basics. And to me, running is just so pure and so primitive and so simple. You, know, you don't need somebody else to go with you. You don't need a, a, a court. You don't need a pool. You can just you know, grab your running shoes and some shorts and a water bottle and go out in nature and just run. And uh, I just love it. I absolutely love it. I keep After a, every big race that I do, I say, ah, that's, I'm done. No, never again. Then I end up signing up for another race because I just I just love the challenge and the thrill and I just love training and just love being out there in nature. It's just the sport is made for
1: me, basically. It sounds like you've sort of found a part of yourself through ultras and that aspect of just being able to be free and run and wherever you are sounds like a huge part of what keeps you coming back. Absolutely, well stated. I couldn't put it any better way than you just did. Awesome. So for our listeners, as a ultrathon runner and, and racer, could you take us through one of your races and maybe talk about the preparation that goes into it as well as the race itself? Oh, sure. Uh, well, preparing for a race is uh,
0: probably harder than actually doing a race, even though doing the, doing these races is really, really hard. But preparation is key, right? Just like anything in life. I mean, you got to prepare, prepare, and then prepare more. Just like Navy SEALs, I'll use a lot of Navy SEALs in this podcast because I get a lot of wisdom and insight and confidence from their training methods. So preparing for a race, you know, I'll obviously put in tons of miles. You know, I, uh, the backbone of my training for big races is, is one big, long run per month. And typically that's actually running from Los Angeles down to San Diego. I take the train uh, from Old Town up to Union Station and over to Santa Monica Pier. And then I run along the coast uh, nonstop down to San Diego. It's about oh. 120 miles or so. Um, takes me about anywhere between 28 and 32 hours on average and uh, yeah it's 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 perfect perfect training plus it's beautiful going along the coast and then I do a lot of you know shorter runs 20 to you know 40 mile runs a lot of you know I do hills I do altitude training I do heat training uh, I do lots and lots of mental toughness training meditation uh, pray I read I meet with you you've been huge in, in, in my successes so, so then I show up at the starting line and I'm just raring to go like I am now. I've got a race uh, in a couple days, a big 240 mile race. I'm just jumping out of my skin because I'm full of energy right now. and feeling very confident. Uh, but anyway, I show up at the starting line, ready to go. And then uh, in the like, first half of the race or so, just kind of cruise, just kind of put it on autopilot and just you know, crank out the miles. It should be effortless because I'm well rested and, and, and peak fitness. So the first half of the race or so should be pretty much effortless. Um, I try not to think about how much farther I have to go uh, because that's a negative mindset and I always wanna stay in a positive mindset. Um, If I think about the the task at hand, the fact that I'm gonna be out there for days and cold, heat, you know, tough terrain, loneliness, all that, if I think of all those things, it's just, it sets up, like I said, a negative mindset. And I try not to think about you know all the miles that lay ahead of me so um, just kind of get get through to the halfway point or so make sure that I eat well drink well pay attention to any problems that come up like a tight hamstring muscle or you know a hot spot on my foot like a blister that's developing or just you know negative mindset I kind of try to snap out of that so uh, when I get halfway to me that's a big emotional victory it's a big hurdle to get to um, and then the almost always the third fourth of my races is really hard for me because'm by then I've got half of the race done, which means half of the physical uh, toll is mm. is on me and then uh, but then I still have half the race to go. so that's always a tough, tough spot for me. Um, but then when you get to the fourth quarter of the race. I'm kind of like drawn to the finish. I I become more empowered as I gain more confidence and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer yeah. to finishing and to accomplishing my goal that the that despite you despite us being so tired in, the, in towards the end of the race that's that's uh compensated, if you will, by the fact that you're I'm so happy. I'm so so uh, so It's just so wonderful knowing that I'm getting closer to the end, that it it overpowers all the negative factors that have accumulated to that point.
1: I can only imagine. (laughs) As you were talking about just your training runs going from Santa Monica to San Diego, 32 hours sometimes. Yeah. For someone listening to that for the first time, I I can't even begin to guess what they could be thinking about running for that Mm -hmm. long. But I know for myself, you know, me being a swimmer, I don't think I've ever worked out for 32 hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of logistics, like you said, that go into any type of run yes. that long. Yes. Let's get into some of the more detailed oriented pieces of those logistics. Sure. How do you actually plan for nutrition?
0: Well, at in in uh, almost all ultra marathons, they have aid stations that are between you know 10 and 50 miles apart. And at these aid stations, it's like a you know, buffet. I mean, they've got all kinds of food. It's not the healthiest stuff, but it's super high calorie. And um, so you just have to fill up your water bottles. And if you need salt tablets, you take them uh, along the way. Um, but you, I, I try to maximally consume as many calories as I can at the aid stations. So I don't have to eat as much in between them. I don't like to carry a lot of stuff unless I have to. So I try to you know, fill up my tank as much as I
1: can at these aid stations. How do you go to the bathroom on a race that's that long? You're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's wondering these types of yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, you had
0: to ask, didn't you, Brian? You had to ask. Well, uh, unfortunately, it's you know, there's there's nothing magic about it. When nature calls, you got to answer the doorbell. And uh, good thing is, the good thing is about ultramarathons is that most of them are out in nature. So uh, you know, I like to get back to nature. <laughs> Uh, nature has been good to me so I want to give back Um, the challenge is, though is is you know not getting caught basically that to me that's the most important thing is don't get caught taking care of nature if you know what I mean what uh, does that mean not getting caught not having somebody else see you doing your business got it (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah it's what's hard is when I'm out training you know if I'm in the city or you know whatever in an urban area and your calls and you got to go there's no place to go you got to get pretty resourceful and uh, I've been almost caught a couple times but it's a challenge I like challenges
1: (laughs) I imagine too that's where your crew comes in on some of these races where you have crew
0: yes yes in fact I've sometimes I've had my crew uh, this is probably TMI but I've had my crew kind of make a shield you know build a wall around me while I uh, take care of business if you know what I mean
1: yeah yeah you also mentioned that a big part of your preparation is mental preparation and mental toughness training could you dive into a little bit about how you actually go about preparing mentally for such a long event that's going that you know is going to be grueling that you know is going to be taxing and demanding
0: yeah well <laughs> to be 100% honest it's you baby it's, it's all you Brian you have helped me so much um, I, I, I wish I would have met you years ago. Um, but I met you uh, through a really good mutual friend of ours, Tom Atwell, the, the water polo coach at La Jolla High School. He's one of my best buds. I just love the guy. And he he introduced me to you. So you um, have basically given me this mental skills toolbox. And uh, you know every time I meet with you, you seem to give me a couple more tools that I put in this box that I rely upon during my races. And the very beginning of it, was when you asked me what my why was. Mm. And I had never really thought about that. You know, people say, why do you do what you do? And, it's, and I always have difficulty answering that. But uh, you know, through your coaching and our times together, I realized that my why is, my main why, is that I want to maximize my potential. I'm always trying, striving to be my best in all aspects of my life. But with regards to ultras, as I get older, I just keep wanting to do do the best that I can. You know, I'm 54. Uh, I still do pretty well, but, uh, you know, I don't really compete against other people in these races. I compete against myself. Mm. So my why, the main part of my why, my athletic mission statement that you helped had me write is to try to maximize my potential. And then secondarily, I'm trying to serve as an example to other people um, uh, and show them the you know the the benefits of hard work and sacrifice and discipline in achieving one's goals. Yeah. And uh, you know I'm not out there saying hey look what I do, but just to example they see what I do and and hopefully I can inspire them to to so that they may reach their athletic uh, and personal maximum potential.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And thanks for that compliment too. Uh-huh. I mean, that means a lot to me. Well, it's genuine. It's very genuine. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah i I think there's there's um there's a big piece of this too that has to be uh, part of your makeup, and you just shared you're fifty four years old yeah you know and you i mean if you the if people could see the way you are built and and how fit you are they would be amazed Thank you. um but so part of your training and i I know from what we've talked about before you have this great birthday workout oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so part part of your training is is combined with also your profession as yes, well Yeah, could you talk a little bit about maybe your birthday workout as well as how you train while you're working and? Sure. Well, share some
0: of that. Uh, it's actually kind of goofy, but I will share it um, Every year for the last eight years or so I have this silly birthday workout that a lot of ultra marathoners do okay. but the main part of it is that they run their age in miles so each year If i'm 52 i run 52 miles that day so you know i keep going up one mile every year um but then i also you know i get up at 5 a.m and so i do uh i do 54 push-ups 54 chin-ups 54 crunches and then i go and run 54 miles Um, up until a couple years ago i would have that many ounces of beer when i got home also but i just can't do it anymore it's just I'm not a big drinker, and it just destroyed me. It made me feel miserable, and I got a headache, and I got nauseated. So I stopped drinking that many ounces of beer.
1: Sounds like a much healthier <laughs> <Yeah>. decision. <to laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Well, some of my buddies were like, "Well, I'll, I'll join you on the beer part, but I won't do the. the I won't run with you."
1: I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and then uh, uh, regarding work, is um, you know, I, my uh, hospital where I work is 12 miles exactly from where I live so before big races i'll run to work and back uh, each way you know and uh um as i get real close to a race i'll do it three days in a row so that way if i get what is it 24 48 72 miles in uh in three days just by running to work and back well wow. and it's it's a bear on uh, on the way home on the last day after you know tough tough emotionally demanding shift at work um to you know change out of my scrubs and think Ah oh, damn, I wish I could drive home, but no I gotta run home. So it's you know, it's it's only twelve miles, but twelve miles is a long way when you don't wanna go when you wanna don't wanna do it and you'd much rather jump in the car. So then also I have a part time job in Arizona that's not as busy as my main job. And um when it's not busy I'll sneak away into the bathroom and, and bust out a bunch of push ups or do some chin ups uh in the bathroom stall. I'll I'll hang on to the the stall up above and and just bust out push-ups and do some abs and crunches and, and just kind of squeeze in you know some, some training whenever I can.
1: It sounds like you're very advantageous with your time. Absolutely. In terms of training as well as having strict regiments and structure around certain um, travel periods or moments in your life when you need to actually keep going. Right.
0: You know I heard I uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and motivational speeches and things like that. And I don't know where I heard this, but I remember somebody asking someone else, do you want to be average? And that was profound, that question. It wasn't really a question. It was a statement. I, I know I don't want to be average. So if you want to be average, that's fine. I just don't want to be average. You know, I want to be extreme. I want to be out there. I want to push myself. So if you want to be average, you just do what everybody else does. But if you want to be above average, or whatever the word is, you know that's better, quote unquote, than average. Well, then you have to do what average people don't do, and that's why I do the goofy things that I do. That's why I run from LA to San Diego once a month. That's why I do my birthday workout. That's why I, I wear weights on my shoes when I, when I, uh, when I train. That's why I wear ankle weights at work that people don't, they can't see. Um, that's why I, you know, deprive myself of, of pleasure uh, so that I can. You know, become tougher mentally. That's one of one of the things that I do. Wow. I just don't want to be average so, How does that
1: connect with your why your mission statement maximum potential? As well as you know being a positive influence for other people.
0: I feel like uh, I'm just making myself stronger. I really do and you know, I just I just keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing and uh, I'm gonna keep doing that until I feel as if I've had my perfect race and I haven't had my perfect race yet. I came close, uh, Tahoe 200 a couple of years ago, and went 11 hours faster than the year prior. Wow. And that's the closest, that, uh, closest to my perfect race that I've ever had. And uh get, kind of getting off subject here, but to me, my perfect race is when I uh, reach a point where I'm completely unbreakable, mm. where nothing can break me, both physically but primarily mentally. and. Um, uh my wh- my last big race uh I was broken it just i just got crushed. my spirit was defeated and uh it was really hard, really hard so i um you know I, I'm just continuing I'm always every day trying to find how can I become stronger and stronger and stronger sure and uh once I put together you know the perfect race where I maximize my potential and i'm unbreakable despite really tough odds then I think I can walk away and I'll be satisfied. And then I can start, you know, taking up chess or or
1: uh, knitting or something like that. Dolph, who, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> it, it strikes me that you're, you're so intentional with your training, and you're motivated from such a deep place inside yourself, yet you're continuously searching for that unbreakable race, yes. and still haven't found it while you most people would say, wow, you're doing all these things and that does look like maximum potential for a lot of other people, right. a lot of other athletes even. So how, how do you think that unbreakable race would actually feel for you once it's done? And I know you said you would go into all these other things. I, knowing you, I'm not really sure you would. <laughs> but how, how do you project or, or imagine that might feel as if you do reach that place,
0: yeah, that's a great question. I think it actually shouldn't hurt that much. You know, some of my best workouts, my hardest workouts, are not painful. I just I, I'm in a like an ideal performance state where I'm just going so fast, uh, you know, so steady, and I've got a positive mindset. I'm, nothing's negative. Everything seems to be going well. That um, you know, that's that's like utopia it's nirvana and i think we all have that in us we really do it's just a matter of you know who's willing to make the sacrifices to get to that point so um it's hard it's just really hard you just got to keep going yeah yeah
1: it sounds like you are yeah yeah thank you So if we were to jump into the actual mental process of a race, starting at mile one, what's your mental process? Uh, Well, at the very beginning, uh, you know,
0: things are super easy. It's just like going out on a little Sunday stroll. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm so well rested leading up to the race and I'm maximally trained. So the first, you know, the first quarter of the race is truly effortless. I mean absolutely effortless things it's just you're just cranking out the miles mm-hmm. um, but from a mental standpoint I just try to you know stop and enjoy the scene not stop but enjoy the scenery and uh, the overwhelming uh, emotion throughout the race but especially early when my mind is still hundred percent clear is that of gratitude I just I'm, I'm so fortunate to, to have the life that I do, and I'm so fortunate to be fit. I'm so fortunate to be healthy, to be injury free. I'm I'm so fortunate to have the mindset that I've been blessed with. I've been I'm so fortunate to be out in nature and to enjoy the beauty. I'm so fortunate to have the support of you and my family and my friends that you know that encourage me. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's just it, it's not to sound too kumbaya, you know. To you know but it's just it really is I mean it's just it's when, when, when you're grateful it, it's really hard to be negative sure so you know I as the race goes on and uh, you know the, the conditions become harder and I become more fatigued and more sleep deprived and you know all that I still try to remind myself to be grateful to, to, to continue to be grateful you know I chose to go out and do that these stupid races Mm-hmm. You know, I chose to be in that point. So, you know, I'm not looking for pity and I don't deserve pity. You know, I'm the fool that put myself out there. So deal with it and be grateful. Yeah. So I, 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 like I said, I try to continually remind myself of that, the, the importance of being grateful.
1: That's a great point. And you're right on. It's pretty hard to be negative when you're practicing gratitude. Yes.
0: And that's actually, I want to check you on that, Brian. You taught me that. You remind me of that, so that's one of the tools that's in my toolbox is that you know no no matter how bad things are, try to be grateful despite the conditions and it's 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 a really powerful yet simple tool it's yeah. It's just fantastic, yeah. so I encourage everybody to you know have what have that tool in their toolbox as well
1: yeah so that's the start and when now For example, you're getting ready to go out and run a 240-mile race next week. Yeah. How does the gratitude change, or how challenging does it become at mile 120 (laughs) midway through that race? Yeah, it gets harder. It gets not linearly linearly
0: harder. It gets exponentially harder Mm. as the race goes on. Mm -hmm. So here I am in this nice, warm, beautiful office of yours, Looking out at the hills and the trees, so it's easy for me to say, "Yeah, be grateful, you know, be happy, and all this stuff." But when you get out there in the environment, and you're, you know, you've gone two nights with no sleep, and it's hot or it's cold, and you're hungry, and you've got a tight hamstring, and you're just miserable, and you still have 120 miles to go, it's a lot harder. Mm. And that's where, uh, you know, I just try to live in the moment. And this is again another thing that you've taught me, is to, you know, try to win that moment. And then once you've won that moment, and perhaps that moment is you know being really negative and feeling like oh my gosh, I'm never going to finish this race or I'm not going fast enough or whatever. Once you've won that moment, then you move on to the next moment, whatever that is, and you try to win that moment. And you know, you have taught me to try to string together as many winning moments as possible. The moment may be you know a second. The moment may be 20 miles. but I try to string together as many positive moments as possible. And if you win the majority of your moments you sh- that person should accomplish their goal. So I just you know the challenges get hard- challenges get harder as the race proceeds. Um, but once you rack up a- enough wins, then it gets a lot easier and you, you-, you realize, hey, I think I got this. got it and it carries over into life as well it's not just in sport and uh, that's that's one of the great things about my sport of ultra marathons is that there are so many stupid life lessons that cross over from ultra marathons into to real life and and, you know life is hard Uh, for everybody we all have challenges but you got to be grateful and you got to live in the moment you can't get overwhelmed you got to try to stay positive You have to make sacrifices and you just can't freaking give up i mean it's it's as simple as that
1: yeah i'm getting so excited hearing how big your mental toolbox has grown it is it is and how your language is coming out in terms of how you just live it yes i do i apply it absolutely and i think for anybody listening they can hear how important the mental training aspect of what you do is so important for just the results that you get and finishing an event Oh yeah. and improving by 11 hours in a 200 mile run. Yeah. It, it just coming across as this is just who you've become. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You
0: have so much to offer people, Brian. It's amazing. I'm not, not trying to, you know, <laughs> float your boat here, but it, it really is true. I mean, you can help people of all levels, of all abilities, in, in so many different parts of their life. And it doesn't even have to be sport. You know, it can be like a, a student who's struggling in, in school, you know, and, and they're just, they're negative and they're, they're overwhelmed and they think they've got so much so much work to do before they finish. You know, you can help them in so many ways. So I really encourage anyone listening to this podcast, you know, to seek you out or to try to learn, you know, from us as much as possible because, you know, you have so much to offer. It, it really is fantastic. So I'm very grateful to you.
1: Thanks, Russ. Yeah. Sure. That, that makes me feel really humble. Wow. Hearing great. that, so thank you. Great. Thank you. Okay, so we're getting ready for the this race. Yeah. And 240 miles, and we've just gone through almost. The majority of that race, and how your mental process gets adjusted mm-hmm. what will it feel like to finish that race at mile two forty <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know crossing the finish line of an ultra marathon is
0: is just it, it's hard to put into words you know it's this is kind of silly, but I, I tell people it's better than eating a big bowl of ice cream on the beach in Hawaii with your family on christmas day while we, while watching Ohio State. Beat the crap out of Michigan football. <laughs> I mean, it can't get any better. It's just, it's absolute awesome. It's fantastic. Um, but also, unfortunately, by the time you get to the finish, sometimes I'm so beat down that I'm kind of in an altered state. So this, so the 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 moment that you've been waiting for, you've been coveting it for so long. When it finally arrives, it's kind of blunted because it's just this, this this blunted euphoria where. You don't, uh, we're not, unfortunately, we're not really in a good mindset to be able to maximally appreciate that moment. It's mm-hmm. often a couple hours later, at least it is for me, it's just a couple hours later when my sensorium, my mental state gets back to 100% normal and I'm, and I'm recovered from the race. Mm-hmm. And that's when I start to enjoy that ice cream on the beach with my family on Christmas Day in Hawaii watching Ohio State beat Michigan. Yeah. That's when it hits and, and that is just, it's bliss. It's mm-hmm. absolute bliss. And I, I just really try to, you know, savor those moments as long as possible, and then uh, I tell myself I'm never going to do it again. And then about a week later, I end up signing up for another stupid race. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a great visual, though, and spoken like a true Buckeye.
0: There you go, baby. Yeah. Yeah. For all the listeners who are out out there,
1: I'm a big Ohio State fan. Yeah. 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 So with all that said, and with the um, kind of disillusioned mental state that you can get in, and I know there's people that hallucinate out there on the trail and on the on the track, and and uh, just depletion from lack of nutrition or um, all the different other, you know, hydration, different factors that go into maintaining that homeostasis or some version of it. Yeah. As a emergency physician, knowing so much about the human body and knowing so much about Exercise physiology, how does that impact your experience in a race? Oh, it helps. It's definitely a, uh,
0: an advantage that I have. You know, I, I actually uh, do quite a, a fair amount of event medicine. You know, I'll, I'll work the medical at the, at the rock and roll marathon and I also volunteer in some races. But with my background in, in exercise physiology and with, you know, my knowledge of anatomy and, and you know, sports medicine, emergency medicine, you know, I'm basically my own you know, crew, I'm basically my own doctor, I'm my own massage therapist, I'm my, my own you know, athletic trainer. So I can take care of pretty much any physical problem that comes up. It's only when I become altered, when I, when I start making poor decisions, um, when I, I, I can't think straight, that I have to really be careful. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's what happened to me in my, my last big race in the Yukon out in the cold last winter. I started my, 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 I couldn't do simple math questions, I, was, uh, I was, uh, math problems, I was trying to calculate how long it would take me to get to the next checkpoint and I couldn't do the math. And um, so when, when I start becoming confused, and, 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 but I'm aware that I'm becoming confused, that's when you know, I, I gotta stop and take a rest or you know, sleep or eat more or drink more liquids or get out of the heat sure. or try to warm up, whatever the, the problem is. So uh, basically, I have a huge advantage uh, in terms of you know
1: knowing sports physiology uh, and anatomy and things like that. Yeah, I can imagine with all that knowledge, you have a huge advantage, but also with all that knowledge, it could be sort of a, a crux in some ways because you know so much of what's happening to you right. without being able to do much about it. Right, right, yeah, so that's true. I could see it both ways, but definitely as a, an advantage. Yeah. So speaking on challenges, yes, I guess that sounds like one of the challenges of a race. But in, uh, what what has been the most challenging race or event that you've ran, and, and how do you how did you approach that challenge? Uh, well, it's tough
0: for me to answer this because, well, the hardest race that I've ever done by far is a race in the Yukon, which is the one of the westernmost provinces in Canada. Um, way up north in the winter I did it last year failed mm. DNF did not finish it still hurts to this day yeah. but that race broke me mentally um I signed up again I'm doing it this January it's 300 miles last year it was 28 below Fahrenheit at the start wow um you know as an ER doctor my hands are my my life um so I couldn't get frostbite. But I made a vow to my wife and my daughters and everybody else that I would not put myself in danger. And uh, that race is so hard because there's such a small margin for error in those extreme temperatures. So that's, that's been the hardest race that I've ever done. And I only made it to mile 86, and I basically got spooked. And I just I tapped out. I, you know, we wear a GPS tracker, and there's an emergency you know, SOS Button on it, mm-hmm. and I tapped out. I hit that at mile eighty six. Um, I was starting to get tingling of my fingers. It's called paresthesias. Um, I was becoming altered. Okay. That's where I couldn't. I couldn't do simple math questions, uh, math problems. I couldn't calculate how much farther I had to go based on how fast I was going. Um, I didn't want to eat, though I knew need, I needed to eat to generate heat and to provide calories. I didn't want to drink, though I knew I knew I needed to. I just, mentally, my spirit was broken. And I, I, I am embarrassed to say that I didn't use my tools and my mental skills toolbox like I should have. I just basically said, screw it. Wow. And uh, I really, I, I whipped out by my standards. A lot of people say, hey, you made it 86 miles. Fantastic. That's great. Well, yeah, that's great. But not for me. Because, you know, the standard that I set for myself is to finish. Sure. And I didn't. And to me, giving up is failure. Um, so, you know, hopefully I'll redeem myself. Hopefully I'll have a you know a really good performance this coming winter. Uh, I'm confident that I will. Physically, I feel very strong. Mentally, you've helped me so much uh, I, I, that I think I'll, I'll do a lot better
1: mm-hmm. this, this next year. As I hear you talking about all those physical symptoms you're having and then the aspect of feeling like you failed to use your mental toolbox part of me thinks well you actually did because your priorities were hey I told my wife and my kids that I wouldn't put myself in harms. harm so I, yeah. beyond where I'm already where, where I already went yeah but well where, yeah maybe just talk maybe about why you think you're spooked and why you didn't feel like you used your mental toolbox well
0: maybe I'm being too hard on myself Maybe I did use my mental skills well, um, but uh, I, I, I don't think I, I think I made some some major mistakes. I made one particular major mistake in that race, and that was I was charging too hard. I was pushing too hard. I was feeling so strong physically um, that I didn't. I, I approached that race like a regular ultramarathon, where you can charge fairly hard. Mm-hmm. But in those conditions, it's more about. Not making mistakes, and my mistake was going too hard and kind of getting ahead of myself in terms of making good decisions, um, eating enough, staying warm, you know adding on layers as I got colder, um, drinking enough liquids
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that I, I put myself in a position physically such that it affected me mentally such that I was not able to use my tools ideally okay so I learned a lot. Of- you know, I learned a lot, and um, that's what it's all about—is learning from your mistakes. You know, it's okay to make mistakes; you just don't want to make them twice. That's what I tell myself. Mm. Don't make the same mistake twice.
1: Yeah. So now, going into Yukon 300 again, the winter, your plan is to learn from the failures before. Yes, absolutely.
0: I I needed to be more patient and more persistent. And that's one of my mantras. In fact, that's something that you also have helped me with, is to be patient and persistent. I recite that thousands of times, subconsciously and consciously, in my races. And I was not patient. I I I got, I was just charging too hard. I was, I was really, really pushing, because I felt so good physically up until a certain point. Mm-hmm. And um, in certain races, you just can't do that. You have to adapt and be more resilient, and I was not. I just kept charging and charging and charging and um it was not not good. it was not good not good at
1: all yeah so this event this Yukon 300 event minus what would you say 25 degrees fahrenheit last year who knows yeah. what it'll be this year right that sounds really extreme it is those are extreme conditions yes and some people would say you putting yourself in that position is crazy right how would you describe those Oh yeah, I hear
0: that all the time. People say, oh that's crazy. What do you, what, why do you do that? And, and, and I, I just hear that so often. Uh, it used to bother me. Now it doesn't bother me at all. In fact, it empowers me. It makes me want to show them that it's not crazy. I'm not the only one doing it. There's lots and lots of people out there doing these races and they go you know, longer than I do. To me, what I do is not crazy, it's extreme. And extreme is good. I think, you know, you got to get out of your comfort zone to maximally enjoy life, to maximally challenge yourself. You know, it goes back to, you know, average. I think I mentioned this earlier. I don't want to be average. It's Some people want to be average. That's fine. But I don't want to be average. I want to be extreme. I want to push myself as much as possible so that I can not have regrets when I hang it up and so that I can... You know, maximally achieve my goals, and to maximally enjoy my life, and to maximally uh, serve as an example to others. So, to me, extreme is good; crazy is bad. Jumping out of an airplane to me is crazy. Yeah. You know, uh, with a parachute, or you know, you know, uh, doing that—what uh, is it? Uh, base jumping, things like that. You know, that's to me, that's crazy. Yeah. But doing what I do not crazy to me it's extreme yeah it's perfectly normal
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that word maximum maximally achieving your potential it continues to ring out and that's that intrinsic drive that keeps pushing you towards that unbreakable race right it's it's amazing to hear how you approach these feats that you achieve yeah and continue to grow with as you get older and yes. keep pushing the boundaries of what you can do, right. starting from you know, maybe a 100-mile race to now competing in 200, 240, 300-mile races. Right. Who knows what's next after that? Right. Right. But um, it's just amazing to hear how you approach your athletic feats, your, your sport of ultramarathon. I hope that people who are listening really gain some inspiration, understand what true motivation sounds like, and can envision some of the things that you're approaching. Yeah. If you were to direct them to any kind of links that you have, if they want to learn more about you, or just connect with you on social media, are there any places where they could go find out more?
0: Yeah, a couple of years ago, somebody suggested that I start a website and I start a blog. Initially I thought, no, oh, that's 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 not my thing. That's not my, you know, what I do is pretty personal. If people are motivated or, you know, Uh, empowered by what I do through example that's great but I don't want to kind of throw myself out there but so many people asked that that I thought sure what the heck so I do have a blog a website um, it's called ultramarathondoc.com it's all one word ultramarathon and then doc.com and and I have uh, after big races I do a race recap Uh, I put in motivational stuff I share my training experiences I've got a little bit of advice I have to be careful I can't give too much medical advice because you know, I'm a, you know I'm a physician so I have to be you know very careful but um, basically I try to share my experiences and hopefully people can learn from that and and, and uh, be entertained and, and be motivated as well there is one thing I want to say though Brian and that is you know, I've been, for a long time, I've been searching for this magic formula for success, this magic key. If there's, Is there one key to, to be successful? And I haven't found it. Hmm. But I have learned that there is no substitute for patience and persistence. Hard work and not giving up. That's one thing I've learned. And that seems to be a common theme from all my readings and my interactions with people like you and the military people and motivational speakers and and all this. There's no substitute for making a conscious decision to set a goal, find out what it's gonna take to accomplish that goal, and then executing that plan. There simply is no substitute for that. It's a choice that one must make themselves, and they cannot settle for not achieving that goal. And once you have that mindset, that person will be successful it's not easy there are no shortcuts there are absolutely no shortcuts there's one path and that's hard work and sacrifice
1: discipline and persistence that's it that's an amazing message and I imagine anyone listening to that if you're an ultra marathon runner or if you're just somebody who's going through their lives and trying to continue to find another way to kind of excel and, and get better at whatever you do that's a great message for everybody so thanks for sharing that. well
0: thank you you've helped me a lot brian i really appreciate it thank yeah.
1: you yeah and thank you for being on the podcast um, we look forward to sharing your message and your story and good luck in in moab and and next gear again in the yukon all right sounds good thanks brian Hi, this is Ami and Brian.
2: Wanted to take a couple minutes to uh, review Dr. Russ Reinbolt's story and talk about some of the nuts and bolts and takeaways. So Brian, what was
1: your kind of main takeaway when you were listening to um, his story? Yeah, first of all, it seems like he's just so free out on the course and it really aligns with who he's become as a person. And it's amazing to see these feats that he is able to accomplish that seems so outlandish and so incredible, yet he makes it seem normal for his lifestyle and his mission and motivation. And I think that just that's the first thing that rings out to me because most people and like you said, most people think, man, this is crazy what he's doing. Yeah, he he views it as just extreme and getting the most out of himself yeah i I think when when i was hearing his
2: story listening to like all the intense training and all the dedication and time that goes into that um kind of threw me off in terms of like how i look at things and um i just it just brought us so back to home about the motivation it takes to pursue such a feat is is um is one of the key factors here and he really kind of nailed it on term in terms of like how he approaches races and what drives him to compete and that that aspect that you mentioned about feeling free and just being able to be out in nature and just throw in a pair of running shoes and get out there and start running just seemed like it created such a a, a nice good feeling state for
1: him that it, it keeps him coming back he also has developed quite a toolbox of mental training tools and first thing that I would say and for any athlete out there listening or any person really is having a a really deeply rooted and connected mission statement is something that will keep pushing people through obstacles and challenges they might find in pursuit of their goals along the way and his mission statement of maximum potential while also being a positive influence for others continuously rings out in every part of his interactions with his sport and it's really great too to see things like mantra statements come in um, patience and persistence and how he uses that over 100 miles 200 miles 240 in this big race that he's preparing for the 300 miler up in the Yukon I can't even imagine some of the temperatures that he faces on these races but it's so amazing to see how his mental fortitude and strength continues to push him through all these seemingly impossible obstacles yeah, I think, I think you touched on a good point there when we
2: talk about motivation, we talk about the extrinsic and intrinsic uh, factors of motivation. And a lot of times when you hear an athlete talk, they'll talk about, well, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And, and a lot of times we do hear these aspects of uh, an, an extrinsic motivator in terms of winning a championship or something, you know, forming a new contract and getting paid, which have important values. Um, for him, it seemed really intrinsic. You know, there was a lot of intrinsic motivation in terms of like looking for the perfect race, looking for his perfect formula, uh, running his his best race, um, really really diving deep into how do I prepare p- best, how do I plan for the the best, what are the best um, best factors that I can I can arrive at that give me the best chance to have that perfect race. And he was really, really driven in finding this, his his perfect race, his perfect formula. And that's our intrinsic motivator, you know, and it, it just goes to show it has uh, a lot of longevity no pen intended here with the ultra marathon race but but um it seems like in this race you really do need to have an internal drive to keep going and he he really um nailed it in his story about how much and how important that was to him
1: yeah and he's still seeking that ideal perfect race where he's unbreakable both mentally and physically I wonder if he actually will ever truly find it since it seems it's in human nature to actually have these internal battles and challenges where negativity creeps in and it's kind of keeping you safe in a way because all these different elements are threatening your survival in some respects out there with the cold, with the intense heat, with um, the wear and tear on your body, just the endlessness of some of these races. Um, Your mind can go in all these different places and negativity can really serve a purpose, but he's searching for his version of maximum potential, which is this unbreakable race, which could continue on for however long
2: yeah and i think um to that point i mean one more time and just his mantra statement you know patience and persistence is the driving factor for him to 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 be able to finish the race and, and to compete how he wants to compete and every sport is different this sport um in particular you know ultra marathon uh races you really have to have a sense of of fortitude you have to have a mental toolbox to keep you going through such a long race um and i think You know when those negative aspects that you talk about kind of creep up he he has to have a center of focus which for him uh appeared to be gratitude you know there was a high high center of gratitude um for just being able to enjoy uh, being out here being able to be healthy having a healthy mind a healthy body he's a doctor so he's able to really understand um a lot of physical uh, um, aspects going on which gives him a slight advantage and he really was grateful for so many things, and it seems like that gratitude keeps him driving, keeps him going. Because you can see in, in, a, in a race like this, like how many can you do before just you know getting crushed and it's just too much. Um, but he has a great you know mental toolbox, and, and it's just he he just keeps that mental fortitude in all those different areas going, and I think that's
1: what allows him to continue it. I don't know what 54 years old um at, at such a high level yeah the last thing what you just touched on is so important for any other athletes out there listening and practicing gratitude especially aligned with some of the latest research around positive psychology really doesn't leave a lot of room for negativity and it changes your mindset in terms of understanding that what you're doing is a choice which is also one of the needs that people have to boost intrinsic motivation based on some of the theories and, and research around the topic. So if you know anyone's out there listening, I highly encourage you to practice this aspect of gratitude and being grateful for the choice to be involved in your sport, be involved in the competition and, and the participation of what you're doing because that'll just boost your joy and your enthusiasm around what, comes up in your sport and all the challenges that could arise And just last thing Brian because you made such
2: a good point on this um, is the fact whenever I think about sport and I recall all my sports and playing everything it's playing and it's that aspect of playing and playing uh, connotates with joy and, and and it's a good thing um, to try to really come home to is you know if your motivation can be somehow tied into joy and fun and playing, um, especially for the younger athletes out there, it gives longevity to your sport. Understandably so when we get up and up in our ranks and we have pro contracts, there's different factors that come into play here. But I think if our home base can somewhere be rooted in fun or play or joy, we have a good shot of, of continuing lead to get better and grow in our sport. So make sure to check out Dr. Russ Reinbolt's website at doc and you can hear more about his stories and follow him on his races.
1: If you have a desire to be great in what you do and a keen interest in the mental aspects of performance, then you're in the right place. Well, you Mental Training seeks to push the edge of the mental game through evidence-based practices and stories from athletes similar to the one you're listening to today. Your collaboration matters as part of this process, so please head over to iTunes and leave us a review with your honest feedback on the podcast. We'd love to hear what you have to say. If you are as excited about the mental training stories you are hearing as we are, please share this podcast with your friends, family, and teammates too. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WellUApp, that's W-E-L-L-U-A-P-P and learn more about the work our mental coaches are doing through LinkedIn and Facebook.